How's it going, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Barely There podcast. I'm Duke Coughlin. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at that pod guy, Duke. I'm joined by the Ayatollah of Capicola, the meat man himself, Lucas Raffetti. You can follow him at LucasRaffetti46 on Twitter. Be sure to follow the podcast as well at Barely There Pod. Be sure to join us on YouTube, join the conversation. You know the deal. We, you, we've, we've been here long enough. We've, you guys have uh, gotten accustomed to our face. At least I'm accustomed to Lucas Perfetti's face because I see it every single day, multiple times a week. Uh, but anyway, Chicago Bears versus the Minnesota Vikings. Um, the second divisional game for us. Uh, first against Minnesota. We're playing on the road. Um, a lot of things kind of playing not in our favor right now uh, on the injury report, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Um the Minnesota Vikings are a team that have kind of squeaked out a couple wins, but they're definitely a tough out right now. Um, they're kind of firing on all cylinders on offense with Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook. Kirk Cousins actually looks like a formidable quarterback. And their defense in a 3-4 system with Darius Smith. And Daniel Hunter actually looks like something that can be really uh, – defense that can be reckoned with. So we are going to have to be on our uh, P's and Q's this week for sure. But anyway, Lucas, before we jump too far in, I want to uh, see how you're feeling about the uh, – the, uh, uh, bets on this week's game as always um the spread right now for the bears is plus seven and a half money line is plus 275 and the over under which personally i feel like is a little high for the way the chicago bears been playing on offense 44 flat so how Oof. are we feeling lucas how are we feeling about the betting lines and uh how are we feeling about the minnesota vikings well the vikings in general i think it's uh, it's all going to really depend on Jalen Johnson, but we'll get into that. Um, but with the Vikings, I think they might actually be better overall than the Packers. Now, the Packers' defense is 100 times better. I think they're a little bit suspect on defense with the Vikings, but their offense is just so much more high-powered with what they're able to do. Um, so it, it could be – that's great, Jim. Thanks for jumping in. Um, it's the only place – or it's the, I think, I think it's, um, I mean, they beat them week one. So I do think the, the Vikings are a pretty damn good team and it's going to be a tough one. Seven and a half though, is not a football number. Now, if the Vikings were six and a half, I would say that's a pretty, you know, saying that the Vikings are going to win by seven. Like that's, that's a bet that I think most fans would be willing to take, but that half point is really what's going to trip people up. Um, just because of how it's not a football number, right? Like you got to get to that eighth point. So I do like the Bears plus seven and a half. If Jalen Johnson does not play, I think it gets really fucking ugly. I'm not going to lie. Like, it's tough. Hopefully the Bears are able to do some things on offense um, to get that to the over because I do like the over in this game as well. Um, But I would probably buy it up a half point. So it's 44 and a half. So they got to get to 45 and save yourself a little bit of juice. Um, But, yeah, I know we usually do injury report last. Should we – I hate to throw a curveball to you. Should we um, start with that? Oh, no. Oh, no. What will I ever do starting with the injury report? No, for sure, man. We could jump right into that because that is going to be insanely relevant moving forward with how we're going to prepare against the Minnesota Vikings, especially on defense. Um, I do want to point out just a couple things really quick, though. Um, The Minnesota Vikings are giving up 20 points a game flat, which is honestly a little high, a little surprising for the amount of talent they have on their defense. But their secondary is a bit on the aged side. So uh, if we can get some speed in the secondary, that's definitely something that could bode well for the Bears. But obviously, uh, you know, we're only scoring 16 points a game. So that's going to be kind of the big test. Um, The big heavy hitting matchup here is going to be the Vikings offense versus the Bears defense. But if the Bears can find a way to score points, that's really kind of the way to – juice up this game and potentially hit that over 
Uh, but yeah, jumping right into the injury report because there's some really significant stuff on it this week. Um, Matthew Adams, he's a full part. He's been a full participant. Well, he was limited on Wednesday, but he looks like he's going to be completely back. Um, Joe Thomas was a guy who had a pretty rough game last week. So honestly, getting Matthew Adams back as that strong side linebacker bodes very well going against a offense that uh, produces Dalvin Cook. You know what I mean? So that's we all saw what Saquon Barkley did against us. We really don't need a replay of that. Um, we need to be able to force Kirk Cousins to beat us. And we need to be able to keep for Kirk Cousins on his back, if at all possible. Um, but as far as the big one, the big money one, Jalen Johnson. He's had a quad injury. I don't believe he's practiced in two weeks. And he has not practiced at all this week until today. He was a limited participant. Uh, they had an indoor practice to kind of simulate uh, the Minnesota Vikings dome. I thought that was actually a really, really nice idea by Matt Eberflus and, and the and coaching staff. Um, and that's going to be the key matchup, Lucas. It's going to be Jalen Johnson if he plays versus Justin Jefferson. Like that is going to be such an X factor if we can find a way to get Jalen Johnson on the field, because if not, and I don't want to sit here and, you know, pound dirt about Kyler Gordon and Kendall Vildor. I feel like we've done it enough, you know, and I think, I feel like they're pretty easy targets at this point, but either Kendall Vildor or Kyler Gordon on Justin Jefferson all day, just does not sound like a very good recipe for a win, you know? No. And that's why I think Jalen Johnson's so key. And I actually want to throw up Eddie Money's comment here. I think Thielen is going to be more of a problem. I think they're going to scheme up Jettas on Gordon if JJ was healthy or not. So that's exactly how I feel. But um, if you have Jalen Johnson there to help lock up Thielen, then I think you're going to be able to kind of blanket coverage with Kyler Gordon. Cause yes, that's, they're going to attack Kyler Gordon early and often. Justin Jefferson, in my opinion, is going to match up against Gordon more Um than than Jalen Johnson does, but it would be really nice to take out their other big time receiver with one player. So you can really focus all your attention. I mean, Bojack's playing at a very high level. So if you don't think he's going to be high over Justin Jefferson, every single route, uh, at, at least on pass uh, passing downs, you're out of your mind, you know? So I think this is, um, man, we need Justin Jefferson to play because it's going to make um, it's going to make Eberflus's job so much easier. Like it's, it's going to, it's Vilas Jones still returning kicks. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. He's not too old for that. 25 isn't old. He had a rough go at it. I, we, we covered this in the post game. So if you want to check it out, go ahead and check it out, check it out. Um, but yeah, with no Jalen Johnson, now you got Vildor and Gordon, both kind of not the strongest players right now. Vildor did play a lot better last week, but I, I would like uh, Jalen Johnson to play. I'm sure the staff feels that way too, because it's going to help a lot. Um, well, but the Vikings defense is pretty suspect. That's what we can get into that in a second. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and that's something that I kind of alluded to a little bit earlier. But um, I really do like the point of uh, Eddie Jackson being over the top on um, – Justin Jefferson, I could also see, and this is something that uh, Vic used to do, honestly, uh, whenever we would play the Vikings, is he would have he would run a lot of cover three with, Eddie, three Jackson. with Eddie Jackson. Sorry, that was me. Yeah, okay, you good? Yeah, All right, I just want to make sure. Just, uh, but yeah, um, one thing he used to do is use uh, cover three with Eddie Jackson where he would have uh, the corner go deep and have Eddie actually – start moving up to kind of play that uh, jump route type uh, safety role. And that actually wouldn't be a terrible idea if it was a situation where we had to have Kyler Gordon covering Justin Jefferson for a good portion of the game. Um, you know, we're, we're going to have to really get creative. We're going to have to uh, move bodies around um, almost in a lot of just kind of like spy looks in a sense, you know, just a lot of fakes, a lot of uh, a lot of 
uh, geez, I don't even know the word I'm looking for here. Uh, but just to kind of just disguise, disguise looks, that's what I'm looking for. Just to be able to disguise looks in the secondary for Kirk Cousins because he's a guy who doesn't necessarily have the fastest processor when he's getting pressure on him. And that's going to be the next key to uh, to getting that um, to getting that coverage downfield as well is being able to get pressure on Kirk Cousins. Um, you know, the Minnesota Vikings have a fairly – fairly good line a lot better than it has been in the past um christian derisaw obviously is a pretty good uh young prospect i don't know how much i trust uh brian o'neill on the other side of that so robert quinn or travis gibson could potentially have a pretty good game um i'd like to see dominic robinson as well potentially on a uh, pass rushing downs i feel like that's going to be really important to getting kirk moving around and keeping him uh on his toes but that's really where you're going to be at your best bet of uh if jalen were to not play is being able to keep Kirk Cousins moving, being able to make him paranoid in the pocket, make him try to force something downfield that isn't there. But um, my biggest fear, I think, for this game in general is like us doing everything in our power to take away Justin Jefferson and then Thielen going off. You know, they do have that two-headed attack where it's like if we really are – because I, I think we're going to be able to use Roquan and some of the um, and some of the more intermediate routes and and – and some of the mid like mid routes. Um, so he's going to be able to come up and help from underneath while, you know, you're probably going to have Gordon playing pretty, pretty much man. And then you can have Eddie Jackson looking over the top. So it's like, you got someone above and below that's going to be helping him out. But yeah, Thielen, Thielen going nuts would be rough. And to be honest, man, it is Kirk cousins. Like, and I think Kirk cousins has played a lot better than what he gets shit for, you know, like he, he is a, a pretty damn good quarterback, but at the same time, he is not anywhere near elite. Like he still shows you like that. Like he still shows that all the fucking time. Um, and he is not perfect. If you do get pressure on him, that's going to be a huge, huge key to the game. And, I, you know, that starts with stopping the run. And the Bears have had some issues with the running game as well um, in general th- throughout. And I know, is Dalvin Cook playing? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that part. Yeah, no, Dalvin Cook's not even on the uh, – I just say that because he's fucking injured every single year. Um yeah, well, I mean, it's hard to say that, right? It's hard to make that shot right now because uh, we just got ripped up by Saquon Barkley, who hasn't been healthy in like two and a half, three years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I so think I- Barkley's a little bit different. But, yeah, Dalvin <laughs> Cook is a, an absolute stud. And you got to think, too, Kirk Cousins has not played well against the Chicago Bears, really, since he's got to the Vikings. Like, we've given him problems, but there was also a feud between Dalvin cook and Akeem Hicks. Like we were, we made Dalvin cook's life hell and they made, um, they made Kirk cousins life hell. And we don't have that same defensive line right now. So thinking Kirk is just going to shit the bed. Like, I think we might see a better version of Kirk for the bears fans that really only watch bears games and, you know, maybe play fantasy here and there, but aren't super in tune with the NFL. You're going to see like a much better version of Kirk. Cause we've been seeing primetime Kirk every Sunday for the past three years with that defensive line that the Chicago Bears used to have. So we need them to step up, man. That defensive line needs to step up because they've, they've been getting – and I know the Giants invested a lot in their offensive line, but they've been getting their shit rocked. The Giants game and the Packers game specifically, just blown off the ball. Well, it just – it really feels like we just do not have any interior beef whatsoever, you know, and it, it's – it hurts, Tonga. honestly. I mean, and I really – what's that? Kairos Tonga? Yeah, you know Kyrus Tonga, you know that guy. He's that's a Minnesota starter. Vikings. He's, not, he's on Minnesota the, Vikings. Literally just claimed off the uh, Falcons practice squad. That that Kyrus Tonga. Yeah, it was the yeah, Vikings. No. I thought it was the Browns. Oh, the Vikings. Yeah, exactly. Not not too thrilled about that. They were definitely. Old prediction: Tonga has four sacks. 
Oh my God. <laughs> well, that's let's wait for that because we have to talk about the interior of the offensive line. And that's a conversation yeah, exactly, Jim. I a hundred percent agree with you. It's not even fucking, it's not even rocket science for us. I can only imagine what, what processes through Luke Getzey's head, you know, I mean, Lucas is wearing the hat right now. So, I mean, maybe we'll have a better idea of what Lucas Getzey's thinking, but um, yeah, man. I mean, our defense, I really need a big game out of Justin Jones. I really need him to be able to take that step of being that that three tech where he can really just kind of fucking hold his place in the defense and stop the run, you know, really just clog things up. You know, I need, I need to see a little bit more out of Armand Watts as well because he's been getting a pretty decent snap count so far this season, and I just have not seen the impact plays from him yet. You know, I feel like we all kind of sold this guy to the moon the second we signed him, which I, I still really like the signing. I thought it was a pretty pretty strong pick. I thought he was one of the only waiver pickups that the Bears should have made. Yeah, um, no, it was definitely one that like kind seven of – seven pickups. Yeah, it was – it was one that kind of moved the needle and our, our, the whole roster manipulation early on in the season is just, that's a conversation for the off season when we talk about Ryan Poles in his first year. But um, yeah, I just, I need to see more from the interior. I also, you know, and I really like Nicholas Moreau. I I've really only sang his praises for the most part, but I want to start seeing him be a little bit more impactful in the run defense. You know what I mean? Because I understand in the middle linebacker position, you know, you, you think of like a Brian Urlacher in a four, three defense and stuff like that, about how you have to be back in coverage. You have to be able to kind of control a little bit of everything. You need to be good at a little bit of everything, but I really need somebody who can go up, eat a block and fucking go, go get a tackle. You know what I mean? Or use your big defensive tackles to your advantage. Like, because I just that's haven't a big seen key it man. with Adams too. That's a big key with Adams too. Yeah. Adams. And that's, that's going to be a huge key with Adams, especially on any, any, um, any powers, any, any sort of outside run with Dalvin cook and being able to kind of uh, cross a guard's face to be able to go inside. But again, I need Nicholas Moreau to show a little bit more of that well-roundedness that we've seen from him early on in the season, because I feel like he, just looking at the tape, man, he just was getting kind of blown off the ball for the most part, the entire Giants game. And obviously we think of the missed tackle, you know, and that's, that's a rough one. If for oh, Nicholas, yeah. Nicholas Moreau, I don't, I'm not going to give as much benefit of the doubt, say for Roquan Smith, because Roquan's still trying to get comfortable within this system. But I mean, I just, I need to see a little bit more from my inside linebacker, I guess, in run defense. That's, that's just where I'm kind of sitting personally right now. Yeah. See, that's kind of why I said the defensive, because dude, there were so many plays where, the defensive line was it's hard to play the run game when you're fucking on your defensive lineman within three seconds of the snap, you know, or within one second of the snap, really, there was a lot of plays where I felt like it was just muddy for the linebackers in general, because they were, there was so much push coming off the ball from the New York giants. So I get what you're saying. That's a really fucking tough play. That was like such a crucial play on that missed tackle, but that's what Saquon, Saquon Barkley does. Where was everyone else on that play? You know, like great key way to read it, but where was everyone else? What happened to the whole fucking hits principle? I get Man, it though. What, what killed me on that play though, I feel like more than anything, and it honestly made me laugh after the fact, was Robert Quinn just flat out running to the opposite sideline of where Saquon was going because he was trying to fucking set the edge. Like, I, I'll give him credit for the effort, but like, Rob, just fucking turn your head even a little bit and see that Saquon's running the opposite way. Cause like, bro, he was just so committed to getting to that side. That's how you play. Try to cut him off. And yeah. it's, just, it's something like you see in Madden. If you see it, it's like, what? This doesn't happen in real life. And then you see it happen in real life. And you're like, oh, well, fuck me. <laughs> Rob, Rob's been a little quiet too. We need him to step up. 
Yeah, um, no, for sure. As being the highest paid defensive lineman and the veteran with all that production, he's not played as well as, you know, anywhere close to the level he was playing at last year. But again, the interior line is nowhere near as good. He's probably getting a lot more attention. Even with Mac being gone, he still was able to light it up. But we had so much on the interior. Even, you know, like Blackson was a was a backup for the for the Bears last year. Um, and then when Hicks would go out, you still had that level of play in the interior. That's one thing Ryan Pace always did well um, was get that defensive line beefed up, beefed up for a pretty reasonable price. But it's kind of all I got, man. Got to got to play your run fits because they're going to kill you off fucking play action. Like, and I do think um, O'Connell, who they got, like I he's not he's not a hack it. Like he's a legit fucking coach. He knows what he's doing. He knows how to call plays. He knows how to go within the flow of the game. Um, from the from the Vikings games that I have watched, I've watched two full ones. Like he 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 knows what he's doing. He knows what to call when to call it. Yeah. Um. So one key, I guess, to kind of close up the point with the um. I guess for right now with the defense is uh, the Vikings tight end. Ben Ellison is actually going to be out for this game and he's been used primarily as a blocking tight end. He's not really a whole lot in the passing game. Um, I, I believe he's actually the guy who dropped a, a fucking gimme touchdown or no, that was Johnny Munt. My bad. Um, no. So Ben Ellison, he's been put it. He's been put next to uh, he's been put next to Brian O'Neill quite a bit from what I've seen. And uh, kind of helping him with like the chip or whatever for or with anything like that with pass blocking with not having him out there. That's really where it bodes well for one of these guys on the edge to kind of have a game. Um, I don't know if Al-Quadi Muhammad is going to continue to get the higher snap count than a Travis Gibson right now because Travis he shouldn't. He shouldn't. You know, I mean, I, it's fine if you want to play him on first down, but Travis not playing second or third down is like self sabotage at this point. Um, but I, I mean, Al-Quadi Muhammad is not making such a gross amount of money that like an owner or front off, you know what I mean? Like higher ups would notice like, Hey, you just paid this guy $18 million. Why isn't he on the field? You know what I mean? Well, like you can, you can let Travis start. Well, it's, it's almost to a point where like, I, I, I guess I still do like him a little bit more than Travis in run defense and run defense it's only shit rock. But that's week. what I mean. Like he has to actually start showing that ability that he can stop the run because that's kind of what we brought him in to do. You know, that's, that's kind of what he his bread and butter at Indy was being able to stop the run on the edge. And that's just something we haven't seen so far this year. I don't know if that's because he's getting a higher snap count than he got in Indianapolis. So maybe he's not used to playing this many snaps, but it's like, if he's your run guy, Travis Gibson is very obviously your pass guy. Don't waste El Quani Muhammad on running downs. Let him stay fresh to be able to defend the run. You know what I mean? It's kind of it's kind of a situation where like you'd have Eddie Goldman out there, you know, first and second down maybe, and then third down. There's no reason to have him out there because like that's not the guy you want rushing your passer. You know what I mean? Um, I, that's that's more where you'd want to put a Blyle Nichols in that situation. If we're if we're blasting back to the past, where how the Bears used to kind of do that. But with a guy who likes rotations as much as uh, Eberflus does, I, I would like to see that kind of be the rotation. Al-Quadi Muhammad could play on first down, stay fresh, put everything into that down to be able to stop the run, and then get Travis out there just in case, you know, because they do get a, the Minnesota Vikings do get a little pass happy at times, especially if you can contain Dalvin Cook in that first quarter. They'll start passing the football, and they will not go back to Dalvin Cook. So that would be the best-case scenario with what we could do. Yeah. Yeah, dude, they're um, averaging like 400 yards a game as an offense. Yeah, no, it's there's the Vikings definitely got some juice, man. And this is a team that I wasn't necessarily too high on. I think like what two years ago, Lucas. I think that's when I was. It's Zimmer was a big part of that, though. 
Yeah, no, Zimmer was definitely a huge part. and He always had a lot of talent. He overstayed his welcome by so long, and I feel like it just hit a point where the players just weren't buying anything he was selling. That's it's why it's just weird when teams hold on to coaches a little bit too long. I mean, look at what we did with that was dude, but it was like two years longer than Nagy. Like if that was like if we would have rolled with Nagy again this year, in my opinion, that was his last year. Bro, there would have been freaking riots had we rolled with Matt Nagy again this year. It was, it was bad. Like I thought it was going to get bad after we didn't fire him on Thanksgiving, but that's. Again, that's conversation for another day. Uh, but, yeah, I guess kind of moving over to the offensive side of the ball here because uh, this is a, a big one that we haven't even talked about yet. David Montgomery did not participate on Wednesday and was, has been a limited participant at uh, at practice so far this week, and he's sitting at questionable right now. Um, you know, I've I've said this over and over again. Lucas, I know you're not a you're I know you're not a Khalil Herbert guy. Me personally, I love the idea of having that just uh, – that double-headed monster at running back and being able to have um, being able to have Dave Montgomery and Cleo Herbert mixing in together and, you know, spelling each other on the field, man. It just feels like it's a constant threat. It's not a situation where it's like, Hey, we've ran Dave Montgomery six times in a row, dude. He's dead tired. Like, obviously we're going to have to pass now or they're going to just load the box and just kill him the second he gets the ball. It's like, no, if we keep fresh legs out there the entire time, it would be really nice. And even if Dave Montgomery sees a little bit as a decoy this week, you know, they don't necessarily want to get him too much action because they don't want him to get re-injured because we're going to definitely need him down the stretch. Um, it would be nice to be able to just kind of have that threat of him out there and being able to set up Khalil Herbert when he kind of comes off the field because they're not going to be able to hit a situation where they load the box the entire time. I mean, if you look at how the passing offense has been, yeah, I, I definitely see that argument. Like, there's no doubt. But it's got to hit a point where Luke Getzey can call up some plays, get some guys open in space when there's single high coverage, and uh, Justin Fields can make some throws. You know, if Justin gets into a rhythm early on, and this, you know, obviously this is something we're gonna have to talk about. But um, if he gets in a rhythm early on, it's it's kind of just mirroring what you were saying, Lucas. Like you just gotta kind of let him roll. You know what I mean? I mean, fuck, man. I guess we should. Start with this. Nope. No, that's that's something else. Stop rotating Jenkins for crying out loud. Yes, that's one huge key, I think, into this game. And I don't think you're going to be able to rotate him. If there's still somehow a rotation with Tevin Jenkins, then there's no doubt he fucked somebody's wife. Because, like, like with, with Lucas Patrick going out, it just wouldn't make any sense. Um, Leatherwood still has the kissing dis- disease, if I'm not mistaken. So... I just feel like there, there's no way you could rotate him at this point if if Patrick's going to – that's another thing too. Like who's playing left guard, who's playing center? I know Getze said that they were shuffling things up and seeing what's going on, and I mentioned I'd like to see Reif, Reef at right tackle and Borum kicked into left guard, um, and then Patrick playing center, what he was supposed to do. But I guess there's a ton of options. My, my biggest thing is like I love the idea of having fresh legs um, if it was Tress and Ebner. No, I, no, really, though. I, I love the idea of having fresh legs. I fully support that, like ground and pound, all that shit. But we're going into week five now. Like, we need to start seeing steps from QB1. And even though last week was a pretty good week for him, or at least better, not good, but more better. Of a, more sure. of a step in the right direction, I guess. A step in the right direction. Player. Like, I don't know, man. You got to open this fucking shit up. I get it. We're going into a, a division game. This is our second division game. Sucks that both the division games are on the road to start the year. Um, but you don't want to go 0-2 in division. I mean, you're looking at it from Eberflus's perspective and everyone in 
the building, like they want to win the division this year. So this is a huge game. So I do see Montgomery and Jalen Johnson playing. Like, I think they're going to try to get everyone out there um, and make sure that they, that they're, you know, that, that they could try to win this game because let's be honest, dude, the offense is dog shit. And like, at this point, just like score three touchdowns. That's like, do that I, by any means necessary. And I do want to see steps from, from Justin Fields. And I do think that they're a little bit more susceptible in the past than they are in the run. Um, so, you know, I mean, Harrison well, they, Smith is Harrison Smith injured. Didn't you um, I don't believe so, but he is I somebody think he who might have went on IR. Yeah, he got banged up last week on a play where he just basically got freaking mollywopped by his wide by whoever he was trying to cover. But um, I you bring up a couple points here, Lucas, that I want to uh, kind of kind of capitalize on here because for the most part this week, I've just I've been thinking about how can Luke Getze make this offense just kind of run a little bit better. I mean, it's very obvious so far, and you know I've brought this up in post game shows is. Luke Etsy can call a scripted offense, but once he gets past that, once he starts having to call plays on the fly, that's where he kind of runs into issues. I think what can really help him with that is getting, getting to a point where you just stop trying to spread the ball around, stop trying to get guys like, you know, Pettis involved. And like, I, I understand you have to get those guys involved at some point. You know what I mean? Don't completely cut them off, but like use Darnell Mooney, use Cole Komet call plays that like have them the number one and two options. You know what I mean? Make them the reads hit a point where it's like it, as much as it hate, as much as I hate to be that type of offense, cause it kind of makes you one dimensional in a sense. Like you will get some sort of production by running an offense that runs through Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet, because, you know, I'm not convinced that Justin Fields can't make those throws. And those are two guys that, that he probably trusts more than anybody else that's been on the field so far. You know, he's obviously built a pretty good uh, connection with uh, Dante Pettis, but like, it's not something that's really been, you know, sustainable so far, you know, Pettis is still dropping footballs. And even when Pettis is getting open, it's not necessarily one of the reads that Justin's look, Justin's looking for. It seems like he's kind of eyeing up Darnell Mooney whenever he can really get a shot. And we saw quite a bit of that with the giants last week. So like, Luke Getze just kind of has to go back to basics and be like, I'm going to let my playmakers carry us. And this is something that Matt Eberflus has beaten into the ground time and time again. We need to get our best. I like the skill. I like the skill. I like the skill every fucking week, dude. And um, I mean, look at what the, what the Buccaneers did last week. It was Tom Brady to Mike Evans, the entire fucking game. Look at when, Randy, like when he finally got a true number one or even with Edelman and Gronk, like you don't need 12 guys. You need two guys. And I understand our two guys are not top tier, but we still need to make them the focal points of the passing offense. Um, Cause I think you're right. I think there's a little bit too much of Getsy thinking, I mean, he was spoiled. He came from Aaron Rodgers. He thinks that he could, that Justin can go up and, and make these full field reads. Like he can't dude, he can't. So you need to, you need to not make every play basic or make the reads basic, but you need to just fucking make sure that your high, like your, your first two, your best two players, best two pass catchers are highlighted as the one and two options on damn near every play. And in terms of scripting, like, I think we've talked about this a lot, the script, the opening, uh, opening drive script is always better than everything else. And I think that has to do with his inexperience and game flow. So why not make like fucking 12 scripts? Like, Hey, here's a script for this drive. If we're down fucking 12 or if we're down, you know, we need to score fast. Here's a script for this. Here's like, have some shit there. So like you can go from thing to thing. I'm not saying lock yourself into it, but definitely need to expand on that script. If it's 15 plays, make it 30 for the first half. Uh, and have a second half script too, at least, you know, because his, 
I just I I don't know. We went over Getsy. He's a jagoff. Yeah, but that but that's it. That's it, Lucas. It's like he cannot call plays on the fly. That is his biggest issue holding him back right now. He's not and what comes with that, and this is something I've talked about a lot before, so I'm not gonna go nuts into it, but like Give me some setup plays, please. Like when we are dominating the line of scrimmage in the run game and being able to run the football at will, whether it's with Khalil Herbert or Dave Montgomery or who, honestly whoever you put back there at certain points, set up set up a play action. Set up to the point where you recognize single man coverage or, or shallow zone coverage and be able to fit it into a fucking window and play action or something. Like be able to set that up because we're becoming far too predictable as an offense, man. By the time we call that play action, Lucas, I know you watch football like I do. We can see it coming. And if we can see it coming, defense coordinator on the Minnesota Vikings can certainly see it coming. Like we need those plays like week one to Ectomary St. Brown, where like we didn't see that play action coming. And when it actually hit, we were like, oh, that's going to fucking hit. You know, it was kind of one of those things where like the second you saw Justin still have the ball, it's like there's something there. You know yeah, I mean, we have not seen that since. Well, and like, we're not I'm seeing not... a lot of rollouts in general either. That's a f- that's fucking annoying. Like, and for a guy that's, that's as mobile as Justin Fields is, why are you making him fight through the, the top of the pocket on every fucking play to run? Like, you know, he's already not reading the field well enough. So, like, get him on the fucking move. Dabble was just, ev- dude. There was a uh, a drive with Dabble. I think their first scoring drive. Daniel Jones rolled out on damn near every fucking play. But you also have to sell it with the setup, like. Every single time Justin Fields goes to hand the ball off, he needs to roll one way or the other. So then every single time, if he's pulling that defensive lineman over, he keeps pulling himself out of the play. Then you hit him with the fucking play action. No one's going to be around. You know what I mean? So it's just shit like that, dude. It's and it, the and, details are so important. And to that point, honestly, um, and I'll let you kind of continue your point after this. But that's like, all I have. sorry. Well, all right, that's fine. Well, then I'll, I'll cut just, you off. I'll, I'll, I'll just talk for twenty yeah. minutes. Then. <laughs> um, but no, um, if you're gonna do something like that, like I've noticed that we've been messing around with the RPO quite a bit. Like, but the issue is, like, we'll we'll run the RPO for a play, and then we will not run the RPO for like two more drives, and it's like the biggest thing about the RPO is kind of giving yourself that triple threat option. And if you only run it like once every once in a while, like nobody's going to take it seriously. You know, it's kind of similar to like, remember when the Miami dolphins back in the day started running wildcat and they ran wildcat a lot. So you genuinely didn't know which back in the backfield was going to be getting the ball or how that situation was going to go because Ronnie, you know, um, Ronnie Brown could also throw the ball. Like being able to have that triple threat in this situation is being able to sit in RPO and mess around with it, run it three plays in a row. You know what I mean? And give them something different every single time. And then on the next drive, when you go into RPO, they don't know what the hell to expect you. That's the entire beauty of the RPO. And that's something that Brian Dable did very well with Josh Allen. And that's something that like with the prototype of a Justin Fields where he's mobile, he's big, he has a hell of a deep ball. That's the type of offense you want to be able to run with them. Now, I'm not of the idea that I always want the Chicago Bears in shotgun, and I've made a made a point of that because I like the idea of being able to uh, have a David Montgomery kind of get a running start to the line of scrimmage so he can hit a hole and just kind of hit six yards before they even really know what hit him. But if you're going to use the RPO, use the RPO and set it up. You know what I mean? It's just it's It just hits too many points where Luke Getzey, it just feels like he's throwing shit at a wall, and it just – it's not sticking yet. You know what I mean? You need to be able to have those set up plays. Otherwise teams are just going to understand that you're calling random plays and they're just going to kind of run base defense on you the whole fucking time. 
Yeah, and I know we're getting into more like offensive theory at this point, but another thing is too, like there haven't been a a ton of those plays where it's just like, yeah, that's going for a touchdown. Like unless someone drops a ball or sails a throw, whatever. You know what I mean? Because you'll see within the game, like a lot of coordinators are having people watch, okay, every time we run very basic, but every time we run 25 dive, this is what the linebackers are doing. This is what the safeties are doing. This is what the defensive line's doing. And you just keep like, you run that play six, seven times. And then you're like, okay, we know where this is going. So all we're going to do is just tell Darnell Mooney, get to this spot and tell fields throw to that spot. Um, you know, make sure you round your, 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 um, your dropout because he's coming up field quickly or make sure you step up into this. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it feels like there's none of those layup big plays that the only one I can think of is uh, equanimity of St. Brown in terms of the passing game. There's none of those layup. This is going to be there right. As soon as you hit your break, it hasn't been there. Nothing. Well, and I mean, honestly, Lucas, I was actually, I was actually having a really good conversation with a bears fan. I work with, um earlier actually got him to listen to the podcast so hey if you're listening buddy you know exactly who i'm talking about um but we actually had a really good discussion about how we kind of got to the and i hate i hate bringing it up but we got kind of the talking about how mitch trubisky and justin fields are similar and how they're different you know we kind of got to the point of talking about that and we started talking about how mitch would get like basically thrown under the bus because he would take the check down and he would continue to take the check down if it was available to him. And once, once coverages got tight, that's where he struggled to be able to throw the ball downfield with Justin. We know what, what his deep ball is. And if we can kind of run a similar offense where we can take the check down, take what the defense gives you, like run the simple routes, throw the underneath routes, like being able to have those plays downfield. Once the defenses start playing up, I'm very, very comfortable that Justin Fields can make those throws. Like we saw the throw to Darnell Mooney. You know what I mean? Like he threw that like wide with like basically on his back foot and threw a goddamn dime to Darnell Mooney on that first deep ball. Yeah. Like Justin's arm talent is disgusting. And I understand you want to utilize that. You want to put that on display at all times and maybe coaching a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, maybe you got a little stuck in your ways of you wanting to always capitalize on having your quarterback use his great arm. But like, dude, take the underneath, make them make, make them respect you, make them play you fucking tight and then take your shots downfield, you know, be able to set, set up for something. But again, that's the term that keeps coming up when it comes to this offense is the setup. And we just continue to not see it. Yeah. But I, you know what, actually, um, I guess we are on offense in general. It's so hard to critique at this point. Cause I don't know, is it Getsy not, not drawing these setups up? Is it fields not taking the, you know what I mean? Like, is it fields not taking the easy plays that are setting up the bigger plays? Is it guys missing assignments? That's, you know, on the, on the offensive line, that's disrupting everything. Like, is it all the above? I, it's so hard to tell because it's just so dog shit of a product. Like, yeah, no doubt. I mean, and it's it no Jim. It was not Dave Stager. I can assure you. If uh, I, he's such a shitbag. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'll say I'm. I'm gonna plead the fifth on that one because uh, I'm probably gonna say something rude to him later anyway. But, um, yeah, dude. And I just I don't want it to be seen as a detriment for a quarter. Like, and this is just a narrative I've always wanted to kill. And I wanted to kill it when we had Mitch too. Is like 
who cares if a guy takes a check down? You know what I mean? Like, I understand everybody wants to have the those Patrick Mahomes type throws down the field all game. You want to have the gunslinger whipping 80 yard touchdowns, you know, but like the talent just is not there with this team right now. Like you have to be honest about that. You need to be able to take what your offense can give you. You need to be able to take what the defense gives you. You need to be able to get the ball in your playmakers hands and you can set things up downfield later. Like, dude, if you were feeding Cole Komet at the, you know, five yards down the field and letting him run to like seven, eight yards, like get close to the first down, like, Teams are going to have to start respecting that. Like if you start hitting and dude, can we run a slant route? Like I haven't, I don't think I've seen one fucking slant route. There haven't been enough quick slants at all. Dude. And that's funny considering that green, like that's God, all they do. It feels man. like that's just, the Aaron Rodgers special is that fucking slant route to like Randall Cobb or somebody that just goes for fucking 60 yards. You know what I mean? Like get the ball in your receiver's hands and allow him to make a play. Like I even feel like Pettis would be far better suited in this offense running in the slot on a slant route and being able to make a play, you know, and try to outrun somebody to the outside. You know what I mean? Or even a Bayless. If we were to give Bayless say, the ball off slots, what the that fuck? would also, you know, like be right there. I just feel like we're bringing in this West Coast type mentality on offense, but we're kind of ignoring like one of the bigger West Coast offense uh, attributes in the slant route. You know what I mean? It's no, yeah, no, it's, it's actually puzzling at this point, how little we see like just a quick slant. Cause it's automatic separation. Like as long as you put it on your guy on a quick slant, especially something like Komet, even running from the slot and running a quick slant, like. Another thing I would really like to see would be fucking Komet uh, stre- uh, being split out. We haven't seen it nearly. I, I get it though. They, they need him there for blocking and it fucks it. You know, our slot receiver and our tight end, every single play, or if we're running with two tight ends are chipping before they go out for a run route so that definitely does not fucking help um fuck man just be better please like that's that's where i'm at like just be better in all aspects of offense because i just don't want to be pounding my fucking head against the wall being like oh yeah the bears won 12 to fucking 11 and we had four field goals like it's i don't want to see russell wilson versus matt ryan every fucking day of my life for the rest of my life. So Lucas, please Lucas, just, just better on offense. Don't even test me. I don't want to talk about. Russell oh, Wilson. I forgot. Yeah, no, he's terrible, but we don't have to, we don't have to cross that bridge. Yeah. I already, I already sent you about seven paragraphs earlier. It's the North Carolina that uh, fucked him up. It wasn't Wisconsin. Don't worry, buddy. Wisconsin was, quarterbacks are incredible. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of like how people get screwed up when they go to OSU. I mean, it's not Milwaukee's fault, but that's a conversation for another day as well. Um, hopefully, hopefully you guys have been watching some Netflix lately. There's some pretty good series over there. Uh, OSU baby. Uh, but anyway, um, really some things to uh, capitalize on with this defense. Cause I feel like we should talk about it a little bit um, because we have kind of alluded to the fact that their secondary isn't necessarily like strong. And that's se. who's out. Eddie money, put it out. Oh, that's who got injured. Sign uh, broke his leg. I think. Yes. Lewis sign. He had a serious injury. Harrison Smith did get, uh, he did get shaken up. I feel like towards he the got hit in the nuts. Game. I looked it up. Yeah, no, it was, it was yeah. a pretty, it was a pretty rough hit. Honestly, he got hit in, hit in the nuts is what it's literally. Yeah. The, the article title. That's what I saw. And that's the toughest time to get hit in the nuts because that ended up costing them a timeout where they were trying to uh, get the clock down on the – I forgot who they were playing last week. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to try to guess. But anyway, uh, name recognition is kind of like the number one thing. Like if you don't necessarily watch – you know, kind of like Lucas is saying, if you're, if you're kind of a casual fan, you know, you know big names and stuff like that, that's cool. But like you see Patrick Peterson, you see Harrison Smith, and you're like, whoa, fuck. You know what I mean? There's some, there's some talent here. 
Patrick Peterson probably had the worst season of his career last year, not necessarily having a great season this year. He's, he's still Patrick Peterson. Like that'll never go away, but it's not necessarily been something that uh, he's not, he's not who he, who he used to be. You know what I mean? And then you have Cam Dantzler senior over on the opposite side of him. If you've ever heard of Cam Dantzler senior, uh, congratulations. I'll send you a 10 cents on Venmo, but like, it's somebody that like, I know Cam Dantzler. <laughs> yeah. He's like not a starting corner. It's not somebody who should like instill fear in you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then you have Cameron Bynum uh, filling in for Lewis sign, not necessarily a guy that I'm totally familiar with either. So like, there's definitely spots you can take advantage of like Harrison Smith. He's still a guy who can ball Hawk a little bit, but he's also a guy who can get beat deep. Uh, he's definitely starting to lose a bit of his speed as, as uh, old age and injuries are starting to add up. But that all aside, what kind of hurts the strategy the Chicago Bears have been doing, you know, essentially the 1940 basically run the ball 100 times and throw it about two. Uh, it really kind of hurts because their front seven is stacked. You have Eric Kendrick. You have Eric Hendricks, Eric Hendricks in the middle. You've uh, Jordan Hicks, who Jordan Hicks is probably one of the more um, underrated linebackers in football in my opinion i feel like uh he's a guy who's always flown under the radar and he's a guy who's just always played great football former texas longhorn as well i just feel like after did he play for the cardinals too or no he did he played for the eagles cardinals and then minnesota signed him i actually uh tweeted at summer george when they signed him and i'm like dude take care of him because he is just he's a great player you know he genuinely is i don't i anyway uh but zadarius smith that's that's a name um he's been on the injury report this week but i believe he is set to play um, he's been a limited participant all week. His game status is that he's going to be good to go. So that's going to be somebody we have to, uh, account for That's somebody who wreaked havoc on us when he was in the green and gold. And then of course, Daniel Hunter on the outside as well. That's a, a perennial top five, top 10 pass rusher in the entire league. That's a guy who can damage you. If you do not pay enough attention to him, it's almost to a situation where you'd almost prefer a guy like Zadarius Smith, try to beat you because Daniel Hunter can genuinely take over football games. Yeah, Daniel Hunter and Zedarius Smith is a really nice combo for bookends. Yeah, no, they're and they're they're deep. Like I said, their front seven is strong. I mean, they just switched to the three four defense and they have the right guys in there to do it. Um, old friend alert. We're gonna have to we're gonna see some Jonathan Bullard this week. Um, and yeah, no, I know. I he's starting I, for them. Yeah, I wouldn't have even guessed he's in the league at this point if I didn't see it just on the depth chart, if I'm being totally honest with you. He's starting for them, huh? Yeah, he's starting. All right, well. Although, with with uh, with Kyrus Tonga coming in, we could see a potential rotation. I mean, Kyrus would probably end up taking more at the nose, but you never quite know how they want to uh, integrate him into the defense. Um, Dude, I Dalvin, can't believe Jonathan Bullard's a starter right now. Yeah, well, to the flip side of that, because obviously it's funny that Jonathan Bullock's starting for the Vikings, they also have Dalvin Tomlinson at that other defensive end spot, and that's a guy who will absolutely wreak havoc in the in the run defense. Honestly, more than a guy like Eric Hendricks ever will. He's probably their best run defender up front. Um, yeah, they're going to have beef up front, man. It's going to be a situation that if we run the football, we're going to earn every single one of those yards, and it's going to have to be – we're going to have to be able to get to the second level – past the front uh past the first level if we're going to want to really get anything past like five six yards so it's going to be a battle we're going to need to be able to get a good scheme on offense and we're going to have to really take advantage of some of these mismatches in the secondary as i said before like there is there is talent on this defense but it's gonna be- <laughs> uh 10 minutes later perf still processing bullard starting <laughs> yeah i'm just amazed at this point to be honest like what the fuck um 
Yes, I'll give Spag a shout out here too. It's good to see you on the show. Defense needs to open their eyes more on the field. Yeah, I mean, we we kind of discussed that with guys like uh, Nicholas Moreau. I mean, I, I I feel like honestly having um, having Matthew Adams back is going to really bode well for us in the run defense. Um, and also a lap. Um, I will not snap any footballs up my anus if that's what you're insinuating. Uh, Alap has been messaging me all week talking about how I should start at center over Sam Mustafer. Um, buddy, I'd probably have to put on like 60 fucking pounds at this point to be able to be an NFL center. And I'd still probably just get absolutely mollywopped if I'm being totally honest, but um, I would be able to snap football. I did snap a foot. I did snap footballs in, uh, in elementary school actually, because obviously I had the red stripe and I wasn't able to play running back. Like I want red stripers live forever. <laughs> um. But uh, I think this is a good point uh, to get into score predictions, Lucas. How are you feeling about uh, – actually, no. Before that, really quick, bold, um, bold prediction. Mm, we bold prediction, I'm going to go with – fuck, there's nothing bold about this. Um, there's nothing bold about our team. I think that's what the problem is. Bold prediction is Roquan Smith will have a pick six. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, Roquan did have a pick six last season against uh, against the team that ended up playing in the Super Bowl and Joe Burrow. So it's not crazy to think with Kirk Cousins and Kirk Cousins does love handing out pick six. Oh, he'll, I mean, he'll he really hand likes handing them out to us. Yeah, no, he'll um, hand, he'll hand out some fucking interceptions. There's no doubt. I'm if there's a prop for Kirk Cousins to throw a pick over under 0.5, I would hammer the over on that. Yeah, and I feel like that bodes insanely well for a guy like Eddie Jackson, who is literally just ball hawking like no other lately. Although that's not going to be my bold prediction because, as you've said in the past, that's not bold because Eddie Jackson is him, obviously. Uh, Jeez, I'm thinking bold predictions. Cole Komet has five catches for 60-plus yards this week. I'm going to say I'm going to say that this team finally gets fucking Cole Komet involved. We finally start seeing something used in the middle of the field because it feels like we're always going out. We're always throwing out. Um, I liked seeing that Darnell Mooney post. I think it was on the first play of the game against the Giants. I wouldn't mind seeing us go to something like that again. But like feed Cole Komet, please. Like he is a guy that if you just get him an open field, like I want to see him go one on one with Harrison Smith, because at this point in his career, I feel like, dude, that'd just be a fucking clash you know what i mean like i want to see cole Komet get involved i'll even i will even toss a touchdown in here use him in the red zone fucking put him put him outside for all i care you know what i mean just get cole Komet involved he is a huge guy he catch he caught 60 fucking footballs last year get him involved yeah um, but yeah anyway lucas how you feeling about score predictions man i'm finding it so hard to give myself a score prediction that is with the bears winning. I'm not going to lie. So just for that sake, it's going to have to be a defensive slobber knocker. I'm going to say the bears win. There's going to be a safety involved too. 19 to 12. Okay. It's got to be a scoregami. I just threw that out there. Like I, I, cause there's no way. I mean, if I was really going to pick, I'd probably pick, I, I know this goes against what I was saying in in the pregame show, but I'd probably pick like 27 to 
14, 27 to 17 in the Vikings' favor, to be honest. Um, but I'm going to just go with 19 to fucking 12. Yeah. Yeah, dude, I freaking I God, I, I really hate you sometimes, Lucas, because honestly, I'm I, I'm going to take the aggressive route here. I'm going to say Kirk Cousins has a meltdown game against us. They score 17 points and we score 27. I have 27, 17 bears. I think this secondary can be taken advantage of. Like, and I, I still do think that if we get a good mix on the offensive line, like there's a lot of things in play here. Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, if Jalen Johnson's out and Sam for starting at center, that I'm feeling too confident about my prediction. But if we get Lucas Patrick at center, we move either um, Borum or Reef inside and have some, you know, and kind of have that set up, like have those five guys on the field, have Jones, Borum, Patrick, Tevin, Tevin, Tevin plays 100% of the snaps, by the way. No fucking, like, I will see how that changes his numbers too, right? They're a little bit skewed because he's not playing 100% of the snaps. So you're seeing less than 50% of the snaps. You're going to give up less pressures. Um, Yeah, I'm going to continue to see a very violent football player who's very motivated by a GM who doesn't want him. So that's that's personally how I feel about it. But uh, if we have a good five combo up front, I feel like we can still be able to run the football. I think if Dave Montgomery is out there, as I said, even as a decoy, that can kind of set things up for the run game. Khalil Herbert can have a pretty good game as well. Um, I wouldn't mind see Tristan Ebner get involved. I want to see if Valus starts getting involved in the offense as well. Throw some freaking slant routes on offense, and I feel like we can get guys like Darnell Mooney moving down the field, you know, and that's that's going to be the biggest positive. Even even ESP. ESP is a big fucking body to get in front of a corner who's probably not going to be the greatest corner on the field. He can, he can have a good matchup as well. You know, identify your matchups, feed your playmakers, score points, and – Get to Kirk Cousins. My bold take was going to be that Travis Gibson would have a strip sack in this game, but I still do like my Cole Komet take because I don't think I make enough offensive bold takes. But, like, force pressure, make him just have a meltdown because he's good at having meltdowns against us. You know, I, I, I it's all about who you're playing, you know. But, um, Lucas, you got anything else before we get out here? That's it, man. That's all I got. All right, so you have 19-12 Bears, and I have 27-17 Bears. Um, right, real quick before we go, uh, me and Lucas are going to be down at Soldier Field on Thursday. Next Thursday, we are going to be going to the Chicago Bears-Washington Commanders game. Um, I'm going to be set up tailgating in the lots. Uh, be sure to come find me or, you know, shoot me a DM, ask me where I'm at. We'll be able to hook up. You know, maybe maybe I'll give you a brat. Maybe I'll give you a beer. We're all having good times, you know, stuff like that. would love to meet with some of the fans. would love to just talk Bears football. You know, if anybody's ever met me in the White Sox tailgates, like, you know, I'm a good time. Like, I'm not going to go as nuts, but we're, we're going to have a good time for sure. And hopefully we uh, we are witnessing a Bears victory, you know. So um, but anyway, this has been barely there. Uh, it's been uh, it's been a trip as always. Um, I don't know exactly how we're going to format next week, next week's shows because we're going to this game. So that's going to be something to kind of uh, keep an eye on on Twitter. We'll uh, we'll give you an update probably in the post game of this one of uh, what we're thinking. Um Jim, I have the toothbrush holder. It's literally in my bathroom. I don't know why it would be anywhere else. Um, but yeah, this has been the Barely There podcast. Be sure to follow me on Twitter. I'm Duke Coughlin. You can follow me at that pod guy, Duke. As always, I'm joined by the Ayatollah of Capicola, Lucas Perfetti. You can follow him at LucasPetty46. Be sure to follow the pod at Barely There Pod. Smash the like button, as Lucky Spag says. Um, be sure to subscribe, hit that bell notification. Like we've been getting some pretty good traction over on YouTube, man. I, uh, I hope you guys have been really enjoying. I love the chats, Jim spag, a lap, love, love all you guys in here. Ed, it's been a while since we've seen you too, buddy. We always appreciate the, always appreciate the back and forth. Um, 
that's all I got. Be sure to subscribe, rate us on uh, Apple, Spotify, wherever you got to do it, man. We appreciate the support. Uh, this has been barely there and bear down. Bear down. <laughs>